My name is Corey, and I am your host for the Spiritual Prepper's Guide to the End of the World as We Know It. Today's topic, I'm talking about weeds and water. I've had those things on my mind recently. With weeds, air quotes, I don't call them weeds, but I've been wanting to work with what, with plants that some people consider weeds, specifically the roots wanting to work with roots, a few different projects relating to foraging for roots this spring. I've got ideas. I want to do like this big fermenting thing. I want to do a drying of certain roots for their prebiotic fiber. And also been seeing a lot of news, as have you, I'm sure, about water, stuff going on with water global water stuff, dramas, floods, droughts, recent research being done around an epic upcoming global water, freshwater shortage. And, you know, as much as these times are unprecedented, we humans have histories of drama with what we consider weeds. It's a more recent history. And we have a very ancient history of dramas with water. I guess I'm just looking at healing those relationships. (laughs) Let's have like a Dr. Phil moment with weeds and water right now. And with weeds, more recent history for humans has been centered on control, domination, Othering nature as dangerous, as gross, as evil, as destructive. Considering certain weeds to be invasive. And yes, that can legitimately be a problem, but (laughs) who's the source of that? (laughs) What's the root of all those invasive roots? (laughs) Let's get really honest here. And that's, yeah, generally speaking, there's some nuance to that. But, I mean, come on. Let's be honest. And with water, one example about drama with water is some people are afraid of it. One reason might be, if you choose to look at it in this way, their lineages hold traumas related to water. So let me just start with dandelions. Dandy lions. Why are they called that? Well, I mean, look at them. Look at the flowers. What's that look like? You're welcome. But lots of people in herbalism, people teaching about it, talking about it, also foraging, lots of foragers, will like to point out, especially around springtime, it's a great opportunity to point out how reviled dandelions are and how wrong people are about dandelions. These are potent medicines, these these dandelions, and they're also great nutritious foods. All of that is true. So people bring that up as a way to counter some of the wrong habitual thinking and conditioning we have about a very prominent weed that so many of us see in the springtime. But then there are the people who, in foraging and herbalism, who are maybe long-time practitioners, maybe a little snobby. 
they like to point out that there's better options than just dandelions for food and for medicine. And that resorting to the popular mainstream basics like dandelions are very, very popular for herbalists and foragers to talk about and refer to and work with. That that's just basic and lame and there are other options as people learn and as they branch out. Okay, so everyone just shut up for a minute. Yes, dandelions are epic medicine and food. And yes, they're basic. They're mainstream. There are better options for some people as people learn and branch out. But I see the dandelion as an ambassador. And it's it's an ambassador that helps people to remember their connection with foraging and their connection with plants as medicine. So what is an ambassador? Well, it's usually, it can be someone who is often going into hostile territories and helping to re-educate the people there by showing how their preconceived ideas about the group or whatever that the ambassador is representing, how their preconceived ideas are wrong and showing what's actually true. And ambassadors can be people who show that something that has been reviled or killed or destroyed or prejudiced against or ignored or discarded, that can show how wrong we can be about those beliefs and how wrong we can be about what we once assumed about whatever it is that we hate or ignore or abuse. And that's a powerful teacher. Being proven wrong, being showed that you're wrong, being shown, showed that you're wrong, it's powerful teaching if someone can be humble enough to acknowledge that they're wrong, which isn't really the case anymore all the time, is it? But I would say a dandelion bring it on back to our little yellow golden friends. They're ambassadors for basic respect, very basic foundational introductory respect for the land, which isn't an object separate from us. And it's a really great way to be reintroduced to the reality that if what you consider to be a weed is actually not a disgusting, awful thing to be killed and destroyed or avoided because it's not cool enough. (laughs) But if you have a direct experience of the benefits of a dandelion and then you realize, well, if this is covered in toxins, if it's mown down, if it's ignored, if it's neglected, whatever, you can't get the benefit of that plant and then you just maybe even are able to branch out a little and see that the pollinators are really relying on the dandelions and if the pollinators 
don't have dandelions to rely on, then we don't have pollinators. And if we don't have pollinators, we're all dead! Everything goes extinct! Ah! So basic respect can and does go deeper. You start there. And some people quickly find that it can move past just that basic respect into something really deep, lifelong, beautiful, fulfilling, purposeful. Dandelions can do that. Yes, yes, they, they can, that's true. Also, I just wanna say that roasting the roots of dandelions, if you do it right, and it is a little bit of a process and a learning curve, but you can have roasted dandelion root tea that can taste like diner coffee. But it's like the Upper West Side Manhattan diner kind of coffee, which is an acquired taste. But personally, if I add some kind of creamer and sweetness and I have a bagel with shmia on the side, it's so good. It really is. That's my pitch for dandelions. Moving on. So let's look at our relationship with water. It's not good. It's not a good relationship for many people raised in the industrial paradigm where our sources of life are treated as products to consume and discard as waste. But I'd like to keep this personal because pretty much everyone feels some way about water individually, aside from just how we feel about being able to drink clean water, staying alive as a result, or even how central water is to the food that we eat, growing food. Aside from all of that, lots of people, they love rain and oceans and rivers and certain lakes that they maybe grew up around. Lots of people, like I mentioned earlier, are terrified of open water or they hate rainy weather. Whatever's going on internally, inwardly, with your landscape of emotions and beliefs, there's a relationship there. But if a scientist comes along and says, okay, so there's multiple interconnected crises looming related to water. We've got death coming from drought, death coming from flooding, we're going to have wars fought over water access because of freshwater scarcity that's just on the horizon, like 2030 or sooner. You know what mostly happens? A minority of people become increasingly terrified and worried, and a majority just don't listen. They tune it out. I wrote a blog about denial and delusion. You can read it, don't read it, whatever. There's there's a lot of really great resources out there about why humans act the way they do when stuff like existential crises show up relating to nature. But 
if you tell people to care, to care about water, to take action on behalf of water, I'm not saying this is always the case, but here in America, especially, I've observed, this is really the only place I can speak to, but a burnt out person, and many of us don't even realize how burnt out we are, but a burnt out person doesn't want or need another thing to do on their list of things to do, unless unless that thing is a source of great pain and suffering and they gotta tend to it to end the very real suffering or threat. Or it's a source of great joy and that can include a reward for some kind of benefit. But in my opinion, a healthy relationship with nature, which is really just a relationship with yourself, okay? It means that you care. When you love someone, is it as much of a draining job to do stuff for them? Usually not. Love, devotion, passion, enjoyment, whatever. It means that you show up in ways that are required for that relationship to continue as a healthy relationship. So how do we care about water in a way that means we show up for it? Obviously, maybe not so obviously, we can do a bunch of stuff. There's a lot of stuff you can do. But I want to go deeper because what we're really talking about, like I said, is an inner landscape of emotions, feelings, beliefs. And for myself, I have found that the most basic yet powerful thing that I can do to nurture, I guess, those feelings, experiences, beliefs relating to water is just very basically going to the water. Just go to the water. All kinds of water, but especially Epic water. I don't know what other word to use. That's, I know that's such a lame word. It's so overused. But like waterfalls and rivers and forests and going to powerful water has been transformational for me. And that's not an exaggeration. I'm not just, maybe I am just trying to make a point. Maybe it is just motivated reasoning, which is what we're all doing basically. But I mean it. Going to the water has been transformational these last several or more years. Let me just tell this story and leave it at that because I know that there are legitimate reasons why people might be like, I can't go to the water. I don't want to counter argue anything. But I am going to say this. A couple of years ago, as a student in a mentorship group with a teacher, a gobella, I was given 
these assignments. To go to the water and help me connect with water, with the water spirits that I carry with me. And I, I gotta say, water spirits can require a lot of work. Tending to that in a relationship, tending to, there, there can be um, a lot of trauma there, a lot of stuff that goes way, way back. And it can require, it can be very high maintenance, but also really, really beautiful and really powerful. So at the time I was having a lot of dreams of, of different water bodies and places that I needed to go to, to do this work of connecting, which sounds really vague, but whatever. And, um, so I'd had some dreams and I felt guided to go to this place. It's not very local. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a travel, but it's this epic, powerful, majestic. There aren't words for this waterfall. It's just, just so, so I went there. And this was the height of COVID, so there were a lot of people doing outdoor stuff. Lots of tours, lots of family reunions. And so this place was busy. And it's big, you know, it's it's out in a, a forest. I mean, it's a, it's a park at this point, but there were there were there was a lot of people. And at the falls, there's this um like a peer observation peer. It's really big though. And there were these crowds that had formed on this pier, very as close to the falls as you can get, as what's allowed because it's dangerous to get too close. Although there were some geese out on the rocks and in the like pools of water and the little lake. And there are, there's this river flowing from the falls that's just amazing and people go in there and their dogs are swimming and the kids are swimming and all the things so anyway there were so many people and I was annoyed at first I'm not really a fan of crowds anyway but I was just like feeling self-important or I don't know entitled or something I was like I'm here on official business. I'm a, I'm not a tourist. I'm a student healer. I need to be here. <laughs> like, I got over myself at least a little bit. And I observed. I observed because, you know, there's lessons and teachings everywhere with everything. And I saw how naturally drawn to this waterfall and how enthralled people were. And it was COVID. And so, but we were outdoors, but it was, it was pretty busy. So statistically speaking, there would have been people who were nervous about being around that many other people. There would maybe people who were immune compromised, concerned about their health. All of that seemed to just kind of be suspended. Whatever rules someone had for themselves or lack of rules, it was just this draw 
people were drawn. And it, I mean, statistically speaking, again, like, just look at a crowd of dozens of people. Among that crowd, we can assume that there were depressed people, that there were people dealing with abuse at some point in their life, currently or in the past, dealing with cheating relationships, dealing with poverty and issues with money, dealing with work issues, dealing with any kind of insecurity, dealing with racism, some people struggling with it, some people doling it out, right? All manner of people were, were represented there, and here they all were going to the water. And at the risk of sounding trite and cheesy, all those different, even clashing types of people at the water were getting along just fine in those moments because they were united by those majestic waterfalls. And again, I don't want to exaggerate so I can make a point, but they were genuinely happy in those moments. Like people were talking to each other that would never normally even notice each other. So my point here is because my puppy is here and she has a cone on her neck because she had her space surgery. She's actually four years old, but she acts and looks like a toddler puppy and everybody thinks she's still a puppy and it's very sad. And she's walking around looking just woebegone anyway. With the water and our relationship with water, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. You can get complicated. You can find teachers and elders who talk about water relationships, water protection. All of that is amazing and wonderful. But when it comes to the waters, and, and Gracie is in agreement here, she loves to go to the water. Go to the water. Just go to the water. Be careful, be respectful, be safe, all the things, but just go. Just go to the water. And I don't want to pull in a like, go while you still can, go while there's still, you know, but yeah, stuff happens inside you. It's transformational. Just go. It's worth it. Okay, wrapping it up now. Thanks as always for listening. If you did, I'll catch you later. Bye.